The date is Friday, December 10th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. As the holidays roll on, today on the podcast, we're talking about a timeless classic story, A Christmas Carol, and one of the most notorious remakes called Scrooged. The three spirits of the Entertain This podcast haunt your ears as we're in for a wild ride, so don't be a Scrooge and enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment, bringing the heat in this cold, cold month of December. It's Entertain This. Entertain This. As always. I'm Alex. I'm Michael. Sorry, I thought Nick went for some reason. And I'm Nick. <laughs> We've only been doing this <laughs> for two, two, two years. Yeah, it's, I don't it's know. good, dog. <laughs> Hey guys, a little life uh, update for the cold, cold open of December and also this podcast. I'm no longer employed at the Red Menace officially. So that, that chapter in my life has ended and, you know, open roads ahead. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, let's step into this new chapter in my personal life that I'm pulling you guys into with another great episode. What do you guys say? I would love that. And I'll I'll be best. I'll be honest. It's been really hard to come up with anything for this cold open because I'm so stuck on the amazing joke that was told right before we started recording. (laughs) (laughs) I would call it amazing. It was amazing, Nick. It was was, funny. It was was the most beautiful wordplay that I think I've ever experienced live. Chloe, our our uh, fact checker, came up with a pretty great parody that you know we were all a part of it i don't want to put all the blame on chloe but it was really good um and if you know we get enough people asking for it maybe we'll do a little recording of the parody and we'll (laughs) upload it as a bonus on our Um. patreon that we never use but maybe we'll use it who knows you pay me five bucks i'll do anything you want that is not something Noted. that you want to put out onto the internet nick <laughs> because i don't know if i know at least I'll sing any song in the state that i'm in like legal contracts like verbal contracts count up to 1 year so like for, for, are you sure for the next year you want your cost to be set at $5 for anything well i mean it's it's a $5 introductory costs and okay the fees mm. will tack on over right okay. not including like the consulting fee at the consulting fee the uh so just to set up charge just to be in the room with you it's going to cost five dollars and then fees are going yes. to grow from then depending on the words that are said nice. while it's in your presence yes what if i just want to sit there with you you can do that that's fine how long just do i get for five dollars uh five dollars mm. I'll say about 10 minutes. I get 10 minutes of just sitting and eye contact, right? As long as you're not being a weirdo about it. No, I'm going to be a weirdo about it. It was $5. It was $5. (laughs) You said anything. That's what you said. anything. We have many a witness to say that is what you said. (laughs) It's not in writing, so you know. No, but it's a verbal contract, and that's legal in where I am currently in my state for up to... One year. Up, up, up. I'm in Ohio. Doesn't so, matter uh, because interstate... the contract happened in Kentucky, according the to interstate me. Interstate clause states <laughs> in the Constitution. Well, the Santa Claus states that if you kill Santa, you put on a suit. And now you're legally him, and they, I guess, will take legal actions if you don't. If you I'm, don't proceed with I, the job of Santa, or was it like a moral punishment? 
I don't know. You guys remember uh, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen? Yeah, I did. Absolutely. I did a quick this on it. I think I'm I'm Saint Nick, after all. You know that. I want to bring on a lawyer. I want to get a lawyer, and I want to bring him on the podcast, <laughs> and I want to talk about the legality of the Santa Claus and possibly what crimes Tim Allen may have uh, <laughs> may have committed while in the act of the Santa Claus, and if he has any legal responsibility to his acts under the Santa Claus, considering he was technically being employed by a third party, and who that third party is. So who who employs Santa? I have a lot of questions about the legality of the Santa Claus, but that's going to have to wait for another day because this isn't my episode. <laughs> this is this is your episode, Nick, and it's time oh. for you to take the take the reins, literally, yep. because yep. Christmas. Do you hear the jingle uh-huh. bells? Look, do you hear those edited in jingle bells that you're editing in right now? Listen to them because you're taking the reins from me. All right, here they are. Take them. All right, you got them. Okay. Yeah, what do I say? I can now? tell that you have them because the bells stopped. Yeah, give them, give those bells a little jingle. <laughs> this is gonna be awkward on the YouTube. Video. When you edit in the jingle, it's gonna sound real good. Jingle jangle. It's gonna sound real Christmassy. But so what are we here to talk about? I don't know. That's up to you. What do you guys want to talk about? We're just passage. I would like to talk about the legality of the Santa Claus. I I very distinctly no. stated that early on. No, that's. <laughs> Wait, okay, I don't have time that. for that. I'm not educated enough for that. Okay, can we talk about the Christmas Carol? What the Christmas Carol? How'd you know what I was gonna because talk before about? we start recording? I said, "Hey, what are we gonna talk about today?" So the Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickinson. Mm. That's so Dickensian of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Charles Dickens. If you listen to the last back. episode, you, you're in on the, the bit that we're doing now. If you don't know, then head on over <laughs> to the last episode. <laughs> Get a listen. <laughs> so it's a special time of the year for us here in the Western world. It's a time of joy and cheer, being with your family, decorating for the holidays, and buying gifts for the ones that you love the most. But maybe not. Or just who you feel morally obligated to buy gifts for. <laughs> <laughs> there's that weird thing where you don't sign a contract for your family or anything you just have to buy them gifts all it's of like a no like your family that's one thing but then there are like also certain people in your head who you're like oh fuck I, to give them <laughs> I should buy him a gift oh shit I'm gonna have to get a gift for that person too oh god <laughs> <laughs> but some people the holidays might be not be so happy uh, there are a lot of kids out there who are gonna wake up with no presents underneath the tree and with no Christmas ham for dinner. Oh. There are folks who have lost someone to, close to them and are painfully reminded of their absence every Christmas that goes by. These ghosts of loss haunt everyone a little bit differently. It's part of one of those steps of grief, after all. Metaphorically speaking, the feeling of loss, the ghosts of the past, don't always have to be people. They can be regrets. They Maybe can be you memories. Lost us. They, memories <laughs> they can of be times memories. long by. They can be... Uh, you know, maybe you didn't see that uncle that you wanted to see for Christmas dinner because you were too busy doing other things at the time. But it stands to reason that you can miss out on a lot of things that you might not be aware of until somebody tells you. And in this very moment right now, if you look out your window, there could be a parade of llamas in pajamas. But you'll never see them because you're listening to me talk or doing whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. If you look out the window right now and you don't see the parade of llamas in pajamas, it's because every time that you look specifically, they hide. But when you look the, away, they, yeah. they come back and they start marching again. <laughs> Schrodinger's llamas. All of us see it except for you, just so you know. And that's your uh, holiday gaslighting. So tell your aunt when she starts doing it that you've already had your dose and that you don't need another. 
no thanks. I've already had a hit of the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, young people would call this FOMO. It's fear of missing out, right? And every moment inside our head, there's some subconscious calculator plotting our next steps, envisioning outcomes. There's another part that's especially loud, and at least in my head, right before bed, replaying all the regretful and cringeworthy moments of our past. And there's the majority rulers of our conscious brain, which are focusing on what's here and now. It's the past, present, and future. So at this point, you might be wondering what I'm here to talk about today with all that garbled nonsense in front of us. Uh, what all these things have in common? Well, it's this old story known as A Christmas Carol. Entertain this, because I know you won't want to miss out. It's Christmas, Carol. Get up. <laughs> Carol, it's Christmas. I feel bad for hold people on. named hold Carol. Hold on. hold on, I'm going to take it again. <clears throat> Carol! Yeah. It's Christmas. Get up. Okay, thanks. Is that good? Come on, get down with the Christmas. Oh, that's very good, Michael. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's very Thanks. good. Get, get up, up your mother's down I've with the Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, you know you're down with the Christmas. <laughs> that's very good, Michael. We need to we need Thanks. we need to pump that mind a little bit more later parody on. Parody album. We need we to make, make an entertain this parody album called Parody yes. This. As it has been pointed Ooh. out to us by our many a guest that we really do just kind of add this to the end of whatever <laughs> and claim it under our large blanket of this. Yeah, this. Yep. It's big enough. We can copyright it. Can we copyright the word this? You remember that one time that the, uh, <laughs> the fine bros tried to copyright oh, no. the word react? Yeah. <laughs> that didn't go so well for them. No. Maybe we won't try that. <laughs> but... Back to A Christmas Carol. It's it's not the first story about Christmas ever written. We know this. It's not the best. It's pretty old, and it's pretty good, though. A Christmas Carol was originally a novella written back in 1843 by a man known as Charles Dickens. I'm sure you've probably seen a film or two or read a book or two based on this original novella. It has received so many reboots and remakes that it rivals that of Spider-Man, but one thing stands apart from this the rest of my mind is a personal favorite rendition, a reimagining of the story that stars Bill Effing Murray as the titular character in a movie called Scrooged, which is what I'm here to talk to you guys about today. A little sneaky on you. <laughs> Not just going to talk about the Christmas Carol. We're going to hit on that for sure, but the, the main uh, subject matter of this particular podcast is Scrooged. I personally feel like us as a podcast, we don't discuss the ma- ma- majesty that is Bill Murray enough. <laughs> the majesty? In fact, I don't think that we have talked about the great Bill Murray at all. No. We have so. mentioned him at least once. I don't Saturday Night Live, think, yeah. I don't think that we have. No, we're going to get to it. We maybe, don't believe you, maybe, maybe in passing on the Saturday Night Live episode, yeah, I yeah. would be interested in anyone listening to tell us. But I think this might be the first time we've mentioned Bill Murray. And honestly, that's a crime. <laughs> it's a huge crime. Bill effing Murray, as he's known on the internet, of course. Yeah, he loves it. He loves being called Bill effing Murray, and he hates Garfield. And those are the two things that I know about him. <laughs> he hates Garfield. <laughs> oh, ooh. I mentioned Bill Murray in the Chris Pratt song. Ooh, you did. I did. That's, so that's two at least once. We're within uh, probably about two degrees of separation now. So that's. That's not yeah. how that works. I don't think. No. 
<laughs> okay, anyway. Anyway, There's back, the bacon to the, number. <laughs> back to the Christmas Carol. But before we talk about this movie, I think it's important that we talk about the man that wrote the original story all those years ago, Charles Dickens. So Charles I'll start Dickens. off by asking the question, you guys know anything about this guy other than his name? <laughs> Charles Dickens? Um, I know that he wasn't, he didn't have like a, a wealthy upbringing. I know that he was mm-hmm. kind of a poor kid living on the street much akin to a lot of people back then. And um, because of that, that was some of the main inspiration of a lot of his stories. You always see the kind of power struggle between the rich and the poor in a lot of his stories, such as I believe I'm going to look to Chloe for the for the nod. Yes or no, that he wrote Great Expectations. Is that correct? It is correct. Great. Um, Ooh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and so you can kind of see in that one, especially the struggle between the rich and the poor. And I think in the story we're about to talk about, we're going to see a lot of those same trends continuing. Yeah, he was the guy who wrote the like the police. So can I have some more? Yeah. Is it that line? Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what is that? Oliver Twist? Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. Yes. Looking yeah. to Chloe. That's a yes. That's not yes <laughs> from our showrunner, Chloe. That's two for two, boys. I did AP literature. Two for two wow. on our Dickensian knowledge. We're killing it today. Dickensian? Yeah, you said that right. All right. Yeah, I said it okay. right. That's right. <laughs> I say it right. If you take the percentage of times I say it wrong and the percentage of times I say it right on this podcast, the times I say it right far outweighs the times I said it wrong, hmm. especially after you edited out the times I said it wrong last time. Who said Very it? Very interesting. Yeah. Just saying. Anyway, anyways. I'm diluting that statistic a little. <laughs> our, our boy Charles was born Chuck, in 1812. Chuck, yes. Chuck, <laughs> if you would. In 1812 in Portsmouth, Hampshire, England. He was a writer and a social critic, which shouldn't surprise you because based on the books that he wrote. Are you saying that he like did those comics in the New York Times where it's like the Democrat ass on the uh the republican elephant on top of the average working blue collared man and they're all riding piggyback with each other to make it look like the man is carrying the the parties (laughs) he wasn't a cartoonist oh okay i don't think that answers my question yeah uh (laughs) this is just very surface level knowledge i didn't i didn't do a deep dive into he wasn't a cartoonist he could have been he wasn't Maybe he doodled. Who he knows? wasn't. Okay. <laughs> wasn't his thing. Today on Entertain This What If. No. Today on Gatekeeping Charles Dickinson, <laughs> Alex commits the second of social <laughs> sin for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he created some well-known characters like Scrooge and Oliver Twist. We already know those two. And he's regarded as the greatest novelist of all time of the Victorian era by some people. Not me. I don't know. That's an Ouroboros of a title right there. Ouroboros? Ouroboros. He's the greatest novelist of the Victorian era. He is the greatest novelist of all time. Of the Victorian era. (laughs) (laughs) Asterisk, Victorian era. Um, (laughs) But his works enjoyed unprecedented popularity during his lifetime, and he's recognized as a literary genius, as many who have taken AP literature uh, have come to recognize. Not me, though, because I didn't, I wasn't smart enough for I that. I took AP Lit, and then they were like, hey, do you want to take the AP Lit test, and we'll give you college credit for it? And I said, no, no thanks. <laughs> you didn't? And I didn't take it. Ah, FOMO. But I did read Metamorphosis. Yes. Hey. So, there's that. An entire episode on that. That's so. right. When Dickens was 12, he 
sadly had to leave school to go work in a factory when his father was incarcerated in debtor's prison. For what? For not paying his bills. I don't know. He's in debt somehow and he got thrown into prison. Okay. <laughs> yes. Debtor's prison is a prison for people uh, in debt and it is not the title of a prison. No. And I understand that now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not like Alcatraz or whatever. Uh, that's kind of a bizarre concept in the 21st century, come to think of it. But after three years of this working in a factory, he returned to school before he began his literary career as a journalist. Dickens edited a weekly journal for 20 years, wrote 15 novels, five novellas, and hundreds of short stories and nonfiction articles. He lectured and performed readings extensively, was a tireless letter writer, and campaigned vigorously for children's rights, educations, and other social reforms. So by modern day standards, pretty cool guy. You don't catch a whole bunch of those in, in history class. There aren't a whole lot of mm-hmm. cool people in history <laughs> when you look at the record on certain things. But I will I will remind you guys that he was effed over by many a not cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he was one of the people who used mercury as a form of medicine and it like messed Ooh. with his brain a lot. <laughs> that, that'll do it to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's not cool, but that was, that was like par for the course back then. So let's, let's not forget that either, but. But I guess my, my question is considering the topic for today of a Christmas carol, do you think that he took inspiration from some night terrors that maybe were brought on by, uh, some of the medicines that were being used on him at, in the time of heroic medicine? Um, it's hard to say. Cause I don't, I don't know the whole story with. Him and mercury poisoning. It's more than that, but yeah, like you like you yeah. said, um, it, there were a lot of side effects at the time, and it's interesting to think that maybe the fact that he was just like prescribed bad medicine is why at night he's like saw ghosts and shit, and then he was like, <laughs> been, "I gotta write yeah. this down." He might have been tripping. Who knows? <laughs> I gotta write this down right now. Dickens, why you be tripping though? Um, <laughs> and there, there's this word that came up in last episode. Last episode was Dickensian, which is a term used to describe something reminiscent of Dickens in his writings, such as poor social or working conditions, or comically repulsive characters, such as our boy Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm. <laughs> in the 1843 novella, A Christmas Carol, it was written, and uh, it remains especially popular and continues to inspire adaptations of every artistic genre. And if you don't believe me, uh, just go look at the Wikipedia page for adaptations of the story. Uh, there's quite a few <laughs> in there, probably about a hundred, I'd say. I'm a little shocked by the fact that a Christmas Carol is a novella and not a novel. Yeah, um, that's insane to me because yeah, I mean, there's really yeah, not no- too much to it. No, no, I mean, you're right. There's not, but you know, in the different adaptations that we've seen, it always seems like such a long story, like so much to get through. And the fact that it was only five chapters long, I mean, that's crazy. A novella is like ten thousand words at most. And like a novel is 50,000 words. And you would think that he would need 50,000 words to talk about the trip that Scrooge goes on. But the fact that he did a novella (laughs) just kind of proves like his literary genius. Yeah, he kept it short, kept it short and sweet. He got out what he needed to. He didn't call them chapters either. He called them staves, like as as this was meant to be performed as some sort of uh, uh, sung song uh adaptation or something like that stave is something in the musical world that i can't remember but it's a thing that's all you need to know fair enough (laughs) he was very kind of artistic in his presentation of it's not just a chapter it's a stave it means to be it needs to be sung out loud but 
You'll see this come into play a little later on in his life. Dickens was inspired to write A Christmas Carol in October of 1843 after he spoke at a charity night to raise money for the Manchester Athenaeum in England, which is an institution dedicated to the, quote, advancement and diffusion of knowledge. So kind of one of these upper-class, high-minded type of places. But he spoke alongside a young Benjamin Disraeli, who would later become the Prime Minister of Great Britain. So a lot of powerful people there. Might not know it, but after the talk... Dickens went on a long walk through the darkened streets of Manchester and had this idea for a little Christmas book. He wrote obsessively for the next six weeks, attempting to get the book done before Christmas. That's another fun fact about um, Mr. Dickens is that he was an insomniac. He suffered from <laughs> insomnia. He like legitimately could not sleep at night at all. Yeah. So he would just go on walks around London. Yeah. I wish I could do that if I lived in London. Just can't sleep. Just... Go outside, take a walk. That felt, I feel like that was around the time of Jack the Ripper. So I don't know if you would have wanted to do that. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Keep oh my, your heat is, on you. Is Charles Dickens Jack the Ripper? Chloe, does that timeline add up? Look into that for us. <laughs> I don't know when Jack the Ripper was around, but um, maybe he was packing heat. He, was, he just brandished a big uh, firearm or something. He's like, don't, don't mess with like me, Jack. Like a powder keg. <laughs> he just had yeah. like a, a big old pistol. it's like come on jack message me i dare you (laughs) but he gets this idea and he's walking out the streets he's well known as a night owl he kind of as you said he was an insomniac he stayed up late he stayed up past all the sober people had gone to bed and believe it or not the christmas carol it hits the deadline it gets released in december 17th of 1843 and it's sold out in three days so right off the bat it's a very popular book And beyond being just a writer, old Chuck was quite the performer, too. He loved to travel all over the English-speaking world and gave these animated readings of his story, often while acting out the parts of his characters, and even stopping here in the good old U.S. of A. for a reading tour. Actually, two reading tours. And it was no small feat to transverse the Atlantic Ocean back in those days. It took like two months or something like that. So good on him for coming to visit us, you know? But eventually, the rock and roll lifestyle and... uh, mercury poisoning (laughs) takes his toll on him and he suffers a stroke in 1869 one year later he has a fatal stroke and dies at the age of 58 in 1870 so really that's all he wanted to do was to write and perform his stories while providing social commentary on those that are downtrodden and cast aside by society the poorest working class folks who need the most help so hats off to you charles and i've only scratched the surface about this guy's interesting and very complex life so Go give his biography a read. He's uh, he's quite a character. So within the context of the story's original printing, it's important to realize that the story of Scrooge really examined what Christmas was all about for Victorian England. You can almost think of them, uh, these Victorian folks as these stiff upper lip, kind of prim and proper people. And they, they talk this very, oh, <laughs> that's how they sound when they talk. They sound like um, what? One more time? <laughs> is that is that what like when people talk about like English? Is that what it sounds like? Because yeah, like proper English. English proper. people, uh, people from England, call American English like English simplified. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but then I guess proper English. You have to put your chin four out in front of you. You're gonna talk like me. <laughs> Yeah, Sweet, so you're telling me proper English isn't like that. Oi, hello! No, that's <laughs> <not me. laughs> 
They hate Talk that. Oh. Because whenever you talk like that, they take your knee and they just jab it in. Never mind. <laughs> you use your imagination. Some of these things are not true. <laughs> some things on the show are factually inaccurate and some aren't. How would you figure out which is which? Here's a fun fact for you. Now now that we've ended our talk on um, Dickens, we may, be, we may be moving forward. Uh uh, you know, you know, Charles Dickens conveniently died in uh, 1870, which yeah. I say conveniently because Jack the Ripper was active only 18 years later. Sure, mm. he did. Sure, 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 he died in mm-hmm. in 1870. <laughs> sure, he did an Elvis thing. <laughs> yeah, he did an Elvis thing, but he just decided to start, you know, slashing and Ripping. whacking and slashing. Hacking and whacking and slapping. You got it. <laughs> Chopping that meat. You got it. <laughs> That's Fallout. Go go play that game. That's actually uh, a but... song from the 1950s or from the 1930s. So nope. that they used in nope. Fallout. Okay. How dare you? It's written it's in Fallout. It's just from Fallout. You're right. <laughs> Photo credit, uh, Fallout. <laughs> but... Photo credit, my screenshot. A Christmas Carol captured the zeitgeist of the mid-Victorian revival of Christmas holiday. Up until this point, it was kind of a religious holiday. It was a somber occasion. Very serious stuff, like the birth of Jesus Christ and the Advent, and along with the namesake, Christ Mass, or Christmas Day Mass, it was a big deal. And yes, there was pagan influences along with these old school traditions that we really don't have to go there. I just thought I'd mention that so we don't get angry emails. Dickens had acknowledged the influence of modern Western observance of Christmas and later inspired several aspects of Christmas, including... Uh, family gatherings, seasonal food and drink, dancing, games, and the festive generosity spirit. So the Christmas tree was also introduced around this time uh, in the 1700s, a little bit before Dickens' time, but its use was popularized by Queen Victoria herself and Prince Albert. Their practice had been copied by many homes across the English countryside, and by the early 19th century, there had been a revival of interest in Christmas carols, following a decline in popularity over the previous 100 years, because before that, they were mostly church hymns, and they were sung in Latin, and nobody wanted to say all those Latin words. This is why Latin died as a language. Yeah. Also because no one speaks it, but, you know. Yeah, no one knew what they were singing. Most people saw Christmas as something celebrated by rural folks, not by people in the city. It was celebrated by peasants in the English countryside. How could it be in such a place as London, where the, where the queen sits or something? I don't know where she actually stays because I'm an American. Um, <laughs> the public... Buckingham Palace, which is in London. Buckingham Palace. Looking, looking at Chloe again in London? <laughs> London? Getting the heads, getting the nod. Yep, it's in London. Okay. Great. All right. Really so using our fact right. checker today, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like having a fact checker because then we just can't <laughs> Welcome to entertain nonsense. this. We're going to talk to you about history and none of it may be true. <laughs> That's why we have a fact checker. We made yes. it through like 50 or 60 episodes and we were like... Guys, we can't keep going on like this. Well, I think we like all looked at each other as like, are we gaslighting people? Are we, am, am I the drama? Am I the Christmas drama? I think I'm the Christmas drama. People are going to be sitting around Christmas dinner, you know. Well, Charles Dickham is actually Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and his name was Charles Dickham. Charles Dickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just spouting nonsense. <laughs> most of it's true. Like most, most of, true. like most of history, most of what you'll read and listen to, it's mostly yeah. true. Yeah, we're on the internet. Believe us. <laughs> Believe it. Back to back to you, Nick. 
Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Charles Dickens in the Victorian revival of Christmas, the celebration of Christmas, Christ's birth and all that. Dickens kind of advocated for uh, a more humanitarian focus on the holiday, which influenced several aspects of Christmas. that are still celebrated in Western culture, Western culture today, such as family gatherings, seasonal food and drink, you know, all these other things that are really great. And how did a tree get involved? That's what I want to know. Anyways. Um, so Christmas Carol, this big story that I've been talking about is now cemented in modern Christmas pop culture today with all these remakes and films and video games. And there's probably a couple of video games. I don't actually know, but there are no video games. I would assume go look it up. You'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> so we're finally here. We've arrived at Scrooge. It's the, it's the movie we're talking about today. It is a adaptation released in 1988 starring Bill Effing Murray, of all people. And, did, uh, did we talk about the classic Dickens tale of A Christmas Carol and what it is, kind of, so that we can I compare think, it to Scrooge? I think we'll kind of get it. Basically, to give you a high-level synopsis, not to... You know what? There's, there's okay, going to be here's the, here. here's the plot of A Muppet's <laughs> Christmas Carol. Muppets? Oh. Yeah, so here's a plot of A Muppet's Christmas Carol for you. Kermit the Frog plays, you know, his little, his little boy, his little guy that he's... Uh, that he's got working, that Scrooge has got working. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, give me off Christmas. And he's like, no, I'm not going to give you off Christmas. I got to have you work here. Get that paper because I'm actually <laughs> uh, Space Cowboy Jeff Bezos. So I'm going to have you work on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Bezos, and he's Scrooge like, oh, oh, it's nuts. But, you know, people were poor back then. So he's like, if I don't have a job, I'm going to, my whole family's going to die. They're just going to have to deal with the fact that I got to work on Christmas. So <laughs> Scrooge, happy as little lamb, he wanders home. He's like, "Hey, guess what? Uh, I'm rich. I'm awesome. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to bed now." And so he goes to bed. And he puts on his little nightcap. He puts on his little night dress that people wore in Victorian English time. He lays down in his little bed. He's and for some reason he's got like a fucking princess canopy, which I guess is just like a rich person thing, or he really <laughs> wanted to be a princess. One of the two. And he lays down. He puts his little his little old little stupid head down, and he hears chains a rattling. And it's his uh, it's his Muppet partner. Um, Who's played by another Muppet? I don't know the full cast, and people are gonna J- castrate Jacob me for Marley. that. Yeah, that, well, he's it's Jacob Marley, the, but I don't know which yeah. Muppet he's he's playing. It's Marley's um, ghost. Yeah, so so he comes and he's like, "You're gonna be visited by three ghosts. They're gonna fuck you up because you're you're a little curmudgeon, and <laughs> you didn't give that little that little Kermit the Frog guy his uh his Christmas day off. He's got a son at home. You're gonna find out why. And then he gets visited by three ghosts, and then they all teach him lessons. And then the last ghost is like, "Here's what's gonna look like when you die." alone and sad you stupid little idiot and he's like no (laughs) then he wakes up and he's like hey boy what day is it and the boy's like it's christmas sir and then he throws some shit at him and tells him to go get him a fucking (laughs) turkey and uh the boy's like really happy about it for some reason and doesn't rob him even though this boy clearly needs the money more than scrooge does and honestly he didn't have to come back with a turkey but it's christmas so i guess he did uh, so he comes back with the turkey and then Scrooge goes and he gaslights uh, Kermit one more time because he's like, you're working on Christmas, little bitch. And Kermit's <laughs> like, uh, no, I'm working. I swear. Come on, Scrooge. I'm I'm doing exactly what you said. He's like, you better be fun. Just kidding. It's Christmas. Go home, you idiot. And he takes the turkey and he takes the turkey yeah. with him and. For some reason, Kermit's like, hey, come hang out with my little toad guy, my little frog buddy. He's got a messed up leg. He's Tiny Tim. He says, uh, you know, his famous line, which is uh, something. God bless (laughs) us, everyone. That's the one. 
yeah. then they all eat the turkey <laughs> and then Scrooge maybe changes for the better for the rest of his life. Or maybe it's just like a fling that he does for a couple of days and then he falls right back into his old habits, as most of us probably would in this situation. Who knows? I kind of doubt it. Just to Who be knows? honest with you. Who knows? But that's, like, that's the gist of a Muppets Christmas Carol. So now let's get into Scrooge. No, that's pretty much it. That's the, pretty much the classic Christmas uh, Carol story. I left out some pretty important details, but you get the you get the idea of the classic yeah, Christmas it. Carol. Yeah, spoiler alert for a for a film, a book story that's over 150 years old. So yeah, spoiler alert in case you didn't you haven't known it. Here's your spoiler alert after the fact. You just got spoiled. <laughs> alert, alert! You just got spoiled. Spoiler alert! If you've been in cryo sleep since the 1700s, <laughs> oh my god, that's terrifying. Anyway, let's you talk about be. Bill Murray. It's about yeah, Bill time. Murray. Bill Murray. Uh, we got all that background out of the way. You guys, are you guys ready to get Scrooged? Sure. Scrooge okay. me, Daddy. Scrooge <laughs> me. <laughs> it just sounds bad. <laughs> uh, have you guys actually seen this movie before? Before I get nope. into it? No? I haven't. I don't think. But in my <laughs> head, I keep getting Groundhog's Day confused with it. Like I know admittedly, it's hard. Like I, I can see it in my head, and then I'm like, no, that's a scene from Groundhog's Day. And yeah. then I can <laughs> see it in my head, and I'm like, no, that's also from Groundhog's Day. So no, this is Angry Bill Murray. Okay, yeah. So he was pretty it, mad in Groundhog's Day, but continue. Th- this movie, he keeps up the anger like at very high levels. So uh, this is Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray. <laughs> this is Bill Murray on steroids. Could you uh, imagine this movie with Jack Nicholson for a second? It'd work a lot better, I'd say. I'd love that. Yeah. That'd be nuts. <laughs> anyway. So really, what this is at the core of the story is an incredibly mean and cynical adaptation of the classic Scrooge story. So buckle up. We're going to get we're gonna go a, little, a little mean here. I'm going to do a little folly work real quick, if you don't mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. My my seatbelt's broken on this side. Hold on. How many belts do you have? Hold on. All right, I'm buckled in. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, the movie starts. <laughs> uh, this is a highlight the movie for sure. It's uh, it's the Paramount thing or whatever studio made it. And it starts with this shot of the North Pole. You have the elves working in the factory and whatever else. And they're making toys and such. And Santa's Santa's there, of course, and Mrs. Claus doing their Christmas thing, getting ready for it. Santa's in this and one? Very briefly, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you might think, you know, within the first two minutes, maybe it's a quaint little Christmas movie about Santa's elves and all that. When all of a sudden, a rocket goes off outside and blows up. <laughs> The workshop is being besieged by armed men shooting at the workshop. Oh. And that's when Lee Majors, the $6 million man, shows up with a minigun and he sneaks in to the workshop and helps uh, save Santa or something like that. This is, of course, (laughs) a trailer for uh, something that the IBC channel are running a promo about. So it's a trailer for The Night of the Rain, (laughs) The Night the Reindeer Died, which. Might be a tongue-in-cheek reference to uh, director Richard Donner's Lethal Weapon movies, but I don't know. I guess it's kind of strange to start off, start off a movie like that, but 
this is already like 10 times more nuts than I remember it being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets pretty crazy. Uh, so it's the IBC channel. The, the These executives are gathered in, you know, your typical 80s boardroom and they're showing these promos on a, on a spool to Bill Murray, who is uh, later revealed to be Frank Cross. He's the, he's a head honcho of some sort. I forget his exact title at this cable network, the IBC channel. And in the real world, uh, cable channels really used to be a big deal in the 80s. You know, the advent of cable itself was just a few years before this. So you get that good stuff piped right into your house. You had things like HBO originals and MTV and all these things. So kind of set in the frame framework of the movie's release and all that. So then they show a promo for Charles Dickens Scrooge, which we now formally know is called The Christmas Carol. And then Bill Murray, he watches this trailer going on and he says oh my gosh does that suck (laughs) (laughs) and he's right well it it was kind of homey and quaint and you know typical well-mannered christmas carol uh promo for the movie and then he goes on to berate the executives in the room a lot of yelling is involved and he shows them this over-the-top promo that he had uh prepared for the scrooge story and it has things like drug addiction war famine and it shows all these things in rapid succession and then it shows like the mushroom cloud going off and he says you won't want to miss the scrooge your life might depend on it and of course it has nothing to do with scrooge but (laughs) he's this i remember it's yeah it gets pretty crazy um (laughs) because he's basically like he understands and that's like the funniest part is that he understands the story Yep. And like it's it's meaning and context, but he doesn't get it, you know? <laughs> he like gets it. He's just trying to get people to like, tune in. Okay, I get it. I know what the story's about. I know what it's trying to do intellectually, yeah. but personally, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> but personally, I'm just trying to get views. So <laughs> big same. Big same, which Bill is, Murray. Which is what he's trying to do, you know. He's a network executive. He's like, Oh, how can I get people to turn in tune into this episode? It's yeah, showing that commercial. And then he gets later on, he gets a newspaper report of an old lady that watched that and died right after it. And he's like, oh my God, this is great publicity. Yeah, he's like, what? Great <laughs> press. And that's one of those moments where you're like, ooh, Bill. Oofa, it's not a good taste. <laughs> uh, so we, we fast forward a little bit and he's uh, he has a secretary who represents Bob Cratchit in the original story. Yeah. Um, or administrative assistant, as we call him, uh, as we call him nowadays, and she's going through this list of people that he's going to give gifts to, and he's reading. She's reading off these names, and he's like, "Towels, towels, VHS set, <laughs> towel." Everyone's getting these branded towels from IBC. Uh, really, it's kind of like a throwaway. Whatever, I don't care. I don't care about you. Have a towel. When really he could afford a lot more, kind of being miserly. Um. And then this executive that's also in the boardroom comes up to him afterwards and says, um, you know what? I, I liked your promo, but it had nothing to do with Scrooge. And I think that maybe if we showed something that could maybe be um, somehow related to Scrooge, that this could go off a little better. And then Bill Murray, you know, proceeds to yell at him, of course. Uh, this is revealed to be Elliot Loudermilk, who is, uh, I don't know what character he would be in the original Christmas story. You might have to help me out on that, but... He eventually gets fired. Bob Cratchit? It could be Bob Cratchit. There's two Bob Cratchits in this story. How about that? Can is that like, like that? Tiny Tim? Like Tiny Bo- Tim's uh, yeah. dad? Tiny Tim's dad is Bob Cratchit. Yeah. Nice. 
I think the secretary is more like Bob Cratchit. He's just, I guess he's kind of like the comic relief, but basically he gets fired. And then he gets walked out of the building. Bill Murray, Frank Cross uh, calls security and says, tell this guy to clean out his desk. And then he times it. He says, oh, five minutes. It's a new record. So it's being really mean all of a sudden. Why, why, why is Bill Murray being so mean? So then the president of this uh, television channel comes in and he tells Bill about cats and dogs, this new audience that's watching TV. And he's, he's way out of touch with reality, of course. He's like, oh, these, these cats and dogs are going to, they're going to grow up to be uh, regular watchers of our channel. We need to have more content geared towards them. He's like, oh yes, you know, president, whatever. Um, <laughs> it just shows that, you know, network executives are so out of touch with reality. It's what, what are you doing? Really? Cats and dogs? Uh, he then requests that his secretary work, li- work late over the Christmas holiday, it's Christmas Eve, um, to get a full report on some dude he'd bumped into on the elevator. And then he yells at her for not wanting to leave and take her son to the doctor. You know, classic Scrooge stuff, but he doesn't like Christmas. Again, one of these classic Scrooge lines, he's like, I don't really like Christmas all that much. He says, it's a crock. It's for kids. It's, it's, for, it's for little babies. He then says uh, th- all this stuff. He's, he's walking on the street with his brother and he's like, I don't really like Christmas. And later on you find out why that is, of course. But he then proceeds to steal a cab from a little old lady, you know, once again, being very mean. Uh, Frank Cross, of course, uh, goes back to his office and he has, a, he has a little drink and he has this speech at Benevolent Society Award or something like that. And he wins an award, uh, which it's like, why, why is he winning in a Benevolence Award? Cause he's, he's literally a Scrooge. I don't understand that, but afterwards, uh, some zombie breaks into his office, some zombie looking character and it's, it's Lou Hayward. It's his old boss. And he's toting this golf bag on wheels. This is, this is supposed to be Marley's ghost. See from the original story in this modern rendition, but he says, Oh, you better change your ways or face the consequences. And you'll be visited by three ghosts predictably enough. And Frank doesn't take him seriously, uh, causing him to get angry at Frank and then holds him out a window, kind of like a chokehold. And then he falls to the ground, but he doesn't fall to the ground because he wakes up in his office chair. And then he calls an old friend because he thinks it's a hallucination. He's like, Oh, help me. I'm so scared. <laughs> um, it's later revealed that they're doing a live show TV production of the Scrooge and he's needed on the set where he's visited by uh, a censor who actually is the comic relief because she constantly gets dunked on <laughs> a lot. And she, the censor is upset about a woman's nipple showing because that's, you can't show that on TV. What, what, what are you doing? Showing a nipple? Get out of here. Um, <laughs> it's the first of many offenses to the censor. Uh, Claire, this woman he knows shows up and it's a classic t- scene of like these two old friends being separated at one point and uh, taking separate paths in life. So it's kind of a, kind of an endearing moment there. Um, and then the president later on has lunch with him and that guy from the elevator shows up again and he says, oh, this is going to be the co-producer of their show because Frank, you've been acting a little unhinged lately. I want to make sure that you're kind of grounded. So um, during this lunch, he completely hallucinates. <laughs> There's no other way around that. He sees this waiter uh, on fire after, you know, trying to light some baked Alaska, which I guess is a, a fancy people meal that I've never had. But anyways, he's completely on fire. He's engulfed in flames from Frank's point of view. And he sees it. He's like, oh, oh, I got to put you out. And he dumps water on him. And of course, it's a field, you know, he's not water. This is a very uh, slapstick heavy movie coming to think of it. 
Um, but anyways, he goes out to get some air or whatever. He calls a cab and the driver is the ghost of Christmas past. He's kind of this gruff, uh, smoking cab driver, New Jersey accent type of guy. He's like, Hey, where you going? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, they're transported back to 1955, which is Frank's childhood. And then they're outside of his childhood home. They didn't put the lights up yet. It's explained in a rerun of events that have occurred, um, that, that Frank watches TV. Like that's his thing. He watches TV because maybe his home wife isn't that great and likes to escape from reality by watching the TV. So, um, he, he reveals to his parents that he wants a choo-choo train like any good natured boy. Uh, but instead his dad gets him five pounds of veal because <laughs> he's a butcher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a thing. Um, he's kind of this gruff man. He's like, Oh, why are you being so, uh, ungrateful? Five pounds of meat. What am I supposed to do with five pounds of meat? <laughs> I'm five years old. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> so we, but we fast forward in time once again to 1968, where he's at his office Christmas party and he's working. He's working during the Christmas party. <laughs> Everyone else is getting drunk and doing whatever. And um, he's doing paperwork or something. But then we, uh, we get introduced to Claire, who is Frank's love interest. And they they bump into each other and it's this kind of moment like, oh, there's the spark that they're going to ignite. And so eventually they move into it with one another. It's 1971. And uh, Frank is working on a children's show as Frisbee the dog. He's in this kind of fursuit. Um, not like that fursuit, uh, but <laughs> it's a children's show. And he's he's just going to be in a jerk to Claire. He's prioritizing his career over over his love interest. So he wants them to go out to dinner with the president of the network on Christmas Eve. And Claire at this moment says, I think we should separate. It kind of begins this slow runaway devotion to his job and his work and everything else kind of takes a sideline. So we're back to present day now. He's screaming at no one once again. He's clearly deteriorating. Uh, someone uh, someone thinks that he's homeless and takes him to a homeless shelter because he's just spouting nonsense in the street. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Claire is, of course, running this homeless shelter. And this this demon of regret once again, rears its ugly head. He wants to go out with Claire, but he's still being a dick and yelling. And then there's the classic line where he says, bah humbug. You know, classic Scrooge <laughs> line right there. <laughs> Did you say it like unironically or like, is it like clearly like, all right, all right. We all know what's going on here. <laughs> it's no, I think it's uh somebody was asking him about, Oh, what do you think about Christmas? Bah humbug. I don't know. Wait, actually- so does that mean that like, this is like, this movie exists in a universe where he is experiencing the experiencing the things that like uh, Scrooge does in a universe where Scrooge already exists. I'm not I'm not too clear on that, but it does make the the plot a little thicker, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's aware that he's Scrooge, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he, he ever says he's, that. He's, he's in like, on it, but then he's experiencing things. He's like, "Whoa, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, this all is right. all brand new information." <laughs> Three ghosts. We get it. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's ever revealed, but it's it's a fun little movie theory, I guess. So uh, here we have the ghost of Christmas present who appears. Uh, I don't know how, but it's played by Carol Kane. If you know who that is. Some people mm-hmm. do. No clue. She's kind of this uh, kind of shorter petite lady. Anyways, um, she's kind of dressed in this cool. fairy <laughs> princess type of getup. She has these wings and very colorful and oh, we have to go do this now. And she talks like that. Mm. Um, and here we go. Another slapstick uh, scene where 
Bill Murray tries to take a swing at her and he she hits him with a toaster, a full-size four-slice toaster. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and at some point, Bill Murray gets actually kicked in the balls. Um, if you look at the movie credits, he takes one for the team there. So <laughs> the, the, the main message that the ghost of Christmas present is trying to get across is that the truth is painful. You might not like to see it, but it, there it is. You know, it's going to be like a kick in the nuts. You got to mm-hmm. deal with that somehow. So um, th- this ghost shows Frank that he's clueless. He's completely clueless to his surroundings. His secretary has a mute child who is kind of like our tiny Tim in this, in this particular movie. But mm-hmm. um, it's revealed that this mute child has been mute ever since his father was murdered right in front of him. So that'll mess up anyone. Uh, and then it shows Frank... Frank's brother is celebrating Christmas with a little get together, a little group of friends and they toast to him, even though he's kind of like this guy, it's kind of Frank's brother realizes that, you know, he's a busy guy. He's kind of a complex dude and maybe we should toast to him, even though he never shows up to my Christmas presents and you know, that kind of stuff. So then the final vision, I guess that this ghost of Christmas present shows Frank is the, uh, uh, haunting. It's a frozen homeless guy in the sewer. He's trying to take refuge and he's frozen to death. So little icicles coming off him. And it's, it's kind of gruesome, but you know, once again, the truth hurts. So, so Frank gets sent up to his office by the director in charge and, uh, he's somehow teleported back there. I don't know how. Um, and then a drunk louder milk with a double barrel shotgun storms the office Back then, I guess it wasn't that serious, but yeah, there. It's funny how, in retrospect, this movie, like for its time, was probably very funny, and now it's like this is an HR nightmare that anyone even <laughs> wrote this. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 branded as a comedy, you know, because it's and, got and, Bill and Murray in it. it. Yeah, it's Bill Murray. Haha, ha, he's the funny. And I'm man sure from... that Bill Murray stuff is funny, but some of the situations <laughs> in the writing ends up being very problematic, it turns out. Or it's just, it's the fact that he yells at all his employees. Have you ever been yelled at in an office? Like, it's scary. (laughs) This person could fire me. Why am I getting yelled at? (laughs) But if we're talking about a character who is an alcoholic and then proceeds to show up to his office building with a double barrel shotgun because he was fired the previous day, those are very real and very scary situations. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, And I just think that we need to take a second and acknowledge that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, but it's the eighties. So this is apparently funny. Um, it, the, the guy is played by Bobcat Goldwaith. If you know who that is. Excuse me. Oh yeah. That's his name. What Bobcat. else is he in other than this? Or was this I the no end clue. of his career as maybe it should have been? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, I guess he's a cool guy. I don't know. I just like his name. Bobcat. Who names their kid that? You don't get that anymore. Eighties <laughs> right. are a different time. <laughs> he's right. And he should say it. Bobcat. Um, so he's shooting radically throughout the office. Nobody's there, thankfully, just Bill Murray. Because um, it's Christmas, of oh, course. He's the voice of pain in Hercules, one of the little demon guys. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. There we go. Um, Poor guy. So event- <laughs> yeah, eventually, <laughs> Bill Murray gets backed into this elevator. Elevators are, I guess, a lot of transitional scenes in this movie, but he gets back into the elevator, and of course, there's the ghost of Christmas Future, who shows that the secretary's son uh, gets put in an insane asylum in a padded white room, and <laughs> Claire is a cruel aristocrat. It's shown that she's having this dinner, because um, she used to run a homeless shelter, and in the future, she's inspired by Frank to, you know, just be mean, I guess, but 
Um, anyways, then then you're transported to Frank's funeral. This is the this is the end scene where uh, Scrooge finally has his change of heart, and he's he's watching just two people show up to his funeral, which is Frank and his uh, or Frank's brother and his wife. There's the only two people at the funeral, and then as the coffin gets incinerated, it's pushed into these flames. Uh, Frank is teleported into the coffin, and he's almost burned alive, uh, which would make me change my ways pretty quick, if you ask me. <laughs> so that's the turn. That's the turning point. He gets teleported back to real life, and then he's a jolly happy Scrooge all of a sudden. He goofs around with louder milk, even though he's still holding a double barrel shotgun, and then rehires him at twice his salary, which you know, pretty cool guy, I guess. But um, what the Frank hell? once again interrupts this live broadcast <laughs> with a live meandering speech about the joy of Christmas. Um, and of course in the control room, they're being held at gunpoint by Loudermilk. Um, it's kind of problematic even today. And then the mute boy speaks and you, you can guess what he says. He says, God bless us, everyone. And the, the movie ends with them all saying, put a little love in your heart. So that's, that's how, that's the movie. That's, we got there. <laughs> I don't know how we did, but we got there. So let's let's talk a little bit about Bill Murray, shall we? Yes. Strangely, Bill Murray has this uh, resurgence in popularity in modern day. Uh, I'm not sure why. I guess he starred in a famous movie or is being a legend in somehow. Um, but you might know Bill from his acting career in Ghostbusters, first released in 1984. And you'll note there's a big gap in his employment history between 1984 and 1988. He took a break from acting, sure, but... What you might not know is that he was in a self-imposed exile after the movie The Razor's Edge flopped. Um, it was kind of his first dramatic role, and I can't help but think he really tried hard to make this movie a success. And I think that a part of him maybe felt that he peaked after Ghostbusters, which you know a lot of people would say. But he signed on to Scrooge because he felt like he needed to return to acting at such a long hiatus, and he thought the idea of a funny comedic Scrooge would be funny, or a funny psychopathic Scrooge is is funny too. Uh, but he's he's kind of being a prima donna about things, you know, as most actors are. He's like, um, I want to change the script around because it's it's not for me. So eventually, he does get it rewritten. He works with he works with uh, writers Michael O'Donohue and Mitch Glazer, whom Murray had worked previously with on Saturday Night Live, until Murray was confident enough to begin filming. So the two writers had really labored hard. They've rewritten it like thousands of times on the that final neandering speech that Bill gives about the joy of Christmas and all that. Um, and eventually he doesn't do that. He just kind of ad-libs it because <laughs> he's an improv actor. That's what he does. But in a 1989 interview, Murray said that we shot a big, long, sloppy movie describing how a lot of the film content was not present in the film's final cut. He'd probably done a lot more like actually comedic lines in the movie, but they were cut out by the director. And for his part, O'Donohue later said that director Richard Donner did not understand comedy omitting the script's subtler elements for louder and faster moments, which I can certainly see in the movie because there's a lot of yelling. Bill Murray does a lot of yelling. It's estimated that only 40% of his and Glazer's original script made it into the final film and the surviving content was quote-unquote twisted. And as an editorial note, I'd say this film really doesn't come off as a comedy. It's more of a tragedy of sorts. It's a tragedy with a strangely happy ending. But the production was rife with contact between Bill Murray and the director, Richard Donner. It's kind of funny how the director's name is Donner because of Christmas and Dasher and Dancer. (laughs) Anyways, um, you can kind of see this in the film's final cut. There's a lot of like tension and 
the film wants to pull one way and then the plot goes another way and it's very confusing. Uh, in a 1990, 1990 interview with Roger Ebert, Murray said that Scrooge, quote, could have been a really, really great movie. The script was no script was so good and Donner kept telling me that to do things louder and louder and louder and I think he was deaf, end quote. And in a later 1993 interview, Murray said that he and Donner had different visions of the type of film Scrooge could become, adding uh, particularly only one take was described as, as his. So I guess he did a lot of takes and there was only one take that they actually took on the final film, which, you know, happens. But he described his experience as uh, just miserable. There was, uh, there was dust on the set, smelly, smoky, and he coughed up blood because of the fake snow being used on the set. And, you know, I think that he was feeling pressure because this was his first film out of his retirement and maybe he was feeling a little rusty. So inside the mind of Bill Murray (laughs) here on actors theater. (laughs) Uh, But there you go. That's, that's the T. I found a recent discussion board on r slash movies. Credit to user gelatin, uh, gelatin man. I thought it was Mm -hmm. gelatin man, but I think it's gelatin man. Um, So shout out to you. And it says half the problems with in Scrooge aren't Bill Murray's fault. And some things even seem kind of reasonable. But here's a list of things that this person didn't like. And he made some similar points to us. Uh, first off, uh, his parents are neglectful and abusive people who insist in him that if you aren't a hard worker, you're a lazy slob. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun, problematic thing about it. His firing of Bobcat Goldthwaite was an excellent call because he decides to shoot up the office a la Trading Places, another movie that that happens in from the 80s. Hmm. Um, and uncomfortably similar to recent events, which we agree on. Yep. Just because he's rich, why does he have to get his employees nice gifts? He didn't know his secretary's husband died, nor that she had a mute child. And the kid speaks because of his long-winded drunken speech, which is weird. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it goes on to say his girlfriend's too forgiving and oh, basically yeah, yeah. saying that this movie is great for the first 80 minutes and then falls apart in the last 15, which feels like a fair review. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not the best film. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. an interesting adaptation of the classic story, I will say. Yeah. And Scrooge I think got really mean. Scrooge was always really mean, my man. Yeah, but really, really mean. <laughs> okay, do you know the story of like a Christmas Carol, like a classic Christmas yeah. Carol, or do you know like Scrooge McDuck? Because Scrooge McDuck was never really mean. <laughs> he was a sweetheart. But, yeah, this is more of a cynical take on things, I guess. But like the original Scrooge like didn't care for other people. He didn't care for anything except for his money. And even like sure. halfway through his adventure with the ghosts, he still like was just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. It wasn't until like his life was threatened that he was like, okay, now I care. Now I'm scared. <laughs> okay, I'll listen. I'll listen. You know? It, yeah, it was, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I do wonder though, how many, how many days after this experience that he was like, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm done being nice. <laughs> it's been real. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to being a, a money hoarding dragon at this point. I think just kind of thinking on it, like, would Scrooge have changed if there were only two ghosts and the ghost of Christmas future never showed up? It's an interesting mm. mind puzzle. Well, no, it wouldn't because it's shown in the movie that he still doesn't care. <laughs> right. Like I he, mean, you he see, wants to get right back into it. You see the ghost of Christmas present and it's like, 
yeah, this is what's going on right now. And Scrooge is still like, okay, this is sad. I didn't know about this stuff, Mm -hmm. but like I have my reasons. And if I had known them, maybe I would have changed, but like I didn't know. Um, And I'm not going to go back on it now because I acted on the information I had. And then he sees the ghost of Christmas future and it's like, oh no, this, you know, tiny Tim has died or, you know, this little kid has been put in to a, a, some sort of a hospital situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, that's sad, but then it's like, and also you're dead and no one cares. And he's like, no, don't kill me. (laughs) And like, that's ultimately a selfish act, you know? Yeah. I guess he's acting selfishly, but also, um, not selfishly because he's being more generous. Did you guys know that the first ever uh, adaptation or stage adaptation of A Christmas Carol was actually the very first episode of Scared Straight as well? (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun fact for you. (laughs) It was the very first episode. Scared Straight, Um, yeah. (laughs) In in all of time. The ghosts were actually just cops. They wanted to arrest Scrooge, but they couldn't get a warrant, so they They scared him him straight. Yeah, they scared him straight. They gave they gave him mercury and gave him insomnia until he <laughs> until he he had illusions of ghosts haunt him in the night and change his ways. <laughs> oh geez, um, they're just ghosts. Okay, they're not cops. Anyways, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Charles Dickens. You really Charles did Dickens. It. What a guy. What a guy. So, are we ready to wrap this up? Are we are we done yeah, discussing? Yeah, you got probably a closing statement, right? Yeah, we got a closing statement. Let's hit it. Bill Murray, why are you being so mean? Stop it. No. <laughs> and entertain this. In conclusion, I think this movie is decent, to say the least. Uh, I wouldn't say you absolutely need to go out and watch it, as there are a million other retellings of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol on film for you to go out and explore. But what makes this particular film so special in the modern day, and for the 80s, is the remaking of a mean-spirited Scrooge starring Bill Murray. <laughs> And as we've just discussed, he's the meanest Scrooge of them all, in my opinion. And perhaps it's reflective of America becoming a little more mean as time goes on, but I don't really think so. In this time of the holidays, we could all be a little less bah humbug and a little more loving and caring for our fellow humans, whether that's calling up a long lost relative or spending time with your family or giving gifts. So thanks for giving some time to me and spending it with us and uh, have a happy holidays. Have a happy holidays. Yeah, you did it. Okay. That, yeah. was, that, was, that, was, an, that was an excellent topic, and I'm glad that you brought it to us. Ho, ho, ho. It was so fun <laughs> talking about, you know, Dickens and all of his Dickensian lore and <laughs> the Dickensian way that he would tell Dickensian tales. Um, <laughs> scaring the Dickens just, out of us. He scared the Dickens out. He scared the Dickens out of us. Come on, man. Now we're all thinking about Christmas. We're all thinking about how to be better people around Christmas because hmm. we don't want to end up like our old Scrooge. We don't want to be curmudgeons. Give away your money to charity. There are a lot of charities out there you can give your money away to, especially now. I know Maybe Salvation Army is problematic. School. I'll tell you that much. Oh, that's what it is. It's the Salvation <laughs> Army. Yeah, they don't, they're not too friendly to LGBTQ people. So That's what it was. That's what it was. The Red Cross yeah. is cool. Keep supporting them. Anyway, somebody want to get a timer? I got to quick this. <laughs> okay. Uh, three? Uh, two? I'm going to keep a timer myself just in case. Okay. Okay, Are give me ready? a countdown. A three, a two, a one. Merry Christmas. 
So a uh, long, long time ago, we brought a guest on. Um, I, her name was Sam. She was a friend of Nick's. And we talked about the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe, as you guys may remember. Yes. Um, since then, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has grown exponentially. I honestly cannot remember if Endgame had happened yet when we had talked about that. I believe it had, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. Totally it had. Yeah, yeah. Um, but since then, we've seen the release of, uh, well, first off, we've seen the launch of Disney+, Plus, uh, which happened, mm-hmm. I believe, early last year. And with it, um, a lot of new programs coming to Disney+. Plus exclusively which include a lot of marvel programs such as uh first we had wandavision and then we had falcon and winter soldier and then we had loki um all three of which are fantastic shows that you guys should go watch i believe that wandavision actually just won um best television show of the year which is awesome 100 percent, totally totally deserves it in my opinion as well but in uh, more recent times, they have begun a a fourth series entitled Hawkeye, which is all about that nutty Avenger, the one with the bow and arrow, the one who likes to poke people with sticks from a distance. That's right. It's the archer of the group, Hawkeye. <laughs> uh, it's a little D&D joke for all y'alls out there. <laughs> now, there's not... Thinking about Hawkeye, he is not the favorite Avenger out of the group of the main, you know, avengers because everybody's got this cool stuff they got going on captain america's like you know the leader of the group and you know black widow is like the the strong feminine uh character in the group and you got tony stark he's the smart little genius boy you got the hulk and he's like grown big and smashing stuff and you got uh you got thor and he's a god and he like does thunder strikes and then you got hawkeye and he's just a guy with a bow and arrow and he's really good with that bow and arrow but that's all he's got um This series, which is based around Christmas, so it fits the mold just right, is a deep exploration into what makes Hawkeye so special. And it's not trying to stack him up or give him things to make him equal to the other people on the original Avengers team. What makes him so special is actually the exact opposite. The fact that he is so human in who he is, um, that he was basically put on this team and maybe people didn't think that he belonged because of how simple that he was. This show delves headfirst into that instead of trying to avoid it or talk you out of it. In this show, we see a Hawkeye who is a family man, has his kids in New York for Christmas, and suddenly things start going wrong and he has to be a hero. But at the same time, he has to be a dad. So we get the classic Christmas story of, I promise... I'll be home for Christmas. And that is what is driving the plot forward as he's fighting off bad guys, fighting off like mafiosos. And at the same time, he is training a young Avenger by the name of Kate Bishop to sort of take up the mantle or become the next Hawkeye as she herself uh, was inspired by Hawkeye during the Battle of New York in 2012, uh, being that her life was actually saved by Hawkeye without him knowing. So... She takes on the mantle as a young kid to kind of learn archery to defend herself after this event that happened in New York and becomes a great archer. And in doing so, um, kind of takes a bit of the brunt work off of Hawkeye in trying to defend New York against this mafia of people. And in doing so, gets in far over her head and forces the action of Clint Barton, Hawkeye, to come in and try to save her. Um, 
What's cool about this show and what I love about it so much, not only is the Christmas themes and the themes of family talking about how Hawkeye is the human member of the Avengers and that's all he has is being human. What I love most about this show is that it is directly brought from the comic books. Uh, it was a run of comics called Hawkeye. They stole the logo right off the cover of the comic book. And it is being super uh, precise with the story and how it's being run. Not only that, but we see Hawkeye, like he does in the comic book, struggling with the fact that he is so human that all of these like giant blasts that have happened to him throughout the MCU, like things exploding near him, being in fights, these cosmic booms that he's dealt with, have actually rendered him deaf. And he has a hearing aid. Um, not only that, but we also get to meet a new um, sort of anti-hero by the name of Echo, who is a fully deaf uh, character. And she was more recently introduced in this newest episode, but she speaks in sign language basically only. Um, and in this episode, Clint actually damages his hearing aid and spends half of the episode deaf. I'm not going to give oh, you geez. any spoilers. That's just something that kind of happens within it. But what I will say, just to kind of wrap it up, is as someone who has hearing loss problems uh, and someone who struggles with hearing all the time, the idea of having a hearing aid has always been a kind of turnoff for me. Like, I didn't want a hearing aid. I didn't want to have to rely on a hearing aid in my day to day. Uh, I didn't want people to see me and think that like they had to treat me differently because I had a hearing aid. So I've never even considered getting a hearing aid. But watching Hawkeye, watching this hero who has a hearing aid and, um, you know, who is like fighting crime and like being awesome and like his hearing aid breaks and you see how like he struggles with that. He like gets his hearing aid fixed and um, just the deaf culture that is being covered in this show has been so uplifting and I'm not deaf. I'm just kind of hard of hearing. But after watching these last couple episodes, I started looking into hearing aids and I'm like, you know what? If Hawkeye can do it, I can do it, which I think is kind of the whole point of yeah. this inclusion yeah. that we're seeing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So good on them. Uh, they're only three episodes in. It's a six episode series. I'm excited to see what happens next. And I hope he makes it home for Christmas. Thank you. That's only awesome. six that episodes. Was my quick wow. this. Yeah. It is for sure worth the watch. And a lot of people you. are way turned off by this uh, series because Hawkeye was such like a throwaway character. It felt, mm -hmm. um, but man, it's kind of like the point of a spinoff series is to give this thrown away character their spotlight for six episodes or miniseries or something like that. That's, that, yeah, that's the whole point. He's finally getting his spotlight and he's glowing, man. It's such a good series. And I suggest anybody go watch it. I think it's some of Marvel's best qualities completely highlighted. So go check it out. I most certainly will. Like I, I dig it. I didn't, I never finished the, uh, the what if series, unfortunately. It was fine. It was pretty good. Okay, know. so no maybe complaints. I won't finish. <laughs> You're giving it that <laughs> If you got if the it's time. Canon, I don't, I don't yeah. know. If it's canon, great. I don't know if it is. It's just kind it's of something if. that's happening. Um, but you should check it out just so that you can prep yourself for what's coming next in Marvel. I think it's a great walk into the concepts that Marvel is about to introduce, especially in the new Spider-Man that's coming out in two weeks. Ooh. That'll be... Ooh, uh, baby, baby. That'll be out in a week from the date this releases. Yes, I got that. It'll right. be out in two weeks from today when yes. we're recording. <laughs> when we got um, there. <laughs> by the way, since we're a podcast talking about entertainment, this is entertainment adjacent. But just before we wrap it up, can we talk about the fact that this Spider-Man movie has so much hype behind it? And 
Michael, you'll appreciate this as a programmer, mm -hmm. that all of, they turned Cyber Monday, first they turned it into Spider Monday, because that was the day that tickets Love released like for, that. For, uh, for you to order online for Spider-Man No Way Home. All three, AMC's website, um, Cinemark's website, and Fandango, all crashed at the same time because of <laughs> all of the users that were going in to buy their tickets to Spider-Man No Way Home. Huh. Yep, that happens. <laughs> it's nuts. There was so much traffic that it crashed all three of the sites. Wow. <laughs> you got your tickets? You going? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chloe and so I got was, our tickets. It was which websites? It was Fandango, what and what? I think it was AMC, Cinemark, and Fandango, maybe. But Fandango might not be the right one. It was definitely three, though. Okay. <laughs> I'll run Are by you doing some programming AWS. homework right now? <laughs> That's no, what he's I'm just say. thinking about like what could possibly be going on behind the scenes that would cause all three of them to crash besides traffic. I don't know if there's uh -huh. anything that could cause all three to simultaneously crash besides traffic. Yeah, it would depend. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too technical, but yeah, there, there could be something. Uh <laughs> Well, you see, the servers are <laughs> running low. I, as a as a as a webhead, as we call ourselves, would like to believe it was traffic <laughs> that yeah. everyone's just so hyped. Oh, and also, these tickets were selling out in the first day. Like you couldn't get tickets to Spider Man No Way Home. Hmm. Yeah, people people. So love that's another their, thing. Uh, their webby boy. People really they love their love, friendly neighborhood Spider Man. People love their Spooder guy. They really I'm like caught up my, uh, on the Spider Man the movie. So I'll be I'll be right there guy. with you guys. Nice. <laughs> experiencing exciting it. excelsior he did it i did it hey guys thanks so much for watching happy holidays i hope you're getting in the mood i hope you're playing some bing crosby maybe you'll watch a christmas carol or a muppets christmas carol or maybe you'll watch scrooge with your problematic conservative uncle and he'll tell you how funny it is <laughs> maybe who knows it's christmas anything could happen it's excellent I'm going to harp what I harped at the end of the last episode. Um, this year, and we keep saying Christmas, it is Happy Holidays, and I want to stress that we want representation from all the different holidays, and if there's a holiday tradition or a piece of entertainment that best depicts a holiday other than Christmas, that's not something that us three boys are used to. That's not something that we have knowledge on. But if you want to send us suggestions, we will do deep dives into them. We will familiarize ourselves with them, and we will spread awareness to them. Um, so please send us suggestions. The easiest way to do that is you can send us an email. We are entertain this uh, podcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website, www.entertainthis.net uh, and scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see a little questionnaire there that you can fill out. Uh, if that doesn't work for you, you can find us on Twitter. We're entertain underscore this or you can find us on Instagram. We are entertain this podcast. We also have a Facebook page. It's podcast entertain this. Follow us there for updates on our show, which is pretty cool. We have a YouTube where we upload all of our video versions of the podcast if you want to see our weird faces we make while we're recording this podcast at each other you can check that out as always entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this happy holidays happy honda days happy honda days <laughs> merry chrysler Bye. merry chrysler happy crisis we're still alive idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it was that was the bit. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> this episode of Entertain This was written by me, Nick Mastikangas, with additional commentary from Michael Savoya and Alex Steele. 
Our showrunner and resident fact checker is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rushable by Aaron Spencer with additional interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes. And thanks for listening.